Good morning, everybody. It's Jesse Ziegler and Quinn Cody from the Climb Dakar Rally Daily Show. Um, Quinn's calling in again. Biggest news in the rally world is Quinn has COVID. It's a real deal. He's at home quarantining. He's got his headphones on. He's sitting on his couch all comfy. He's not in the Cycle News studios today. Again, I'm the only one holding the fort down, but he's calling in. Say hi, Quinn. Hi. Yeah, slacking off. Actually feeling a little better today. I was feeling kind of crappy yesterday, but good. And feels a little bit like I got a a bit of a cold and but yeah whole family's stuck here with covid so hopefully it doesn't last you yeah you sound better that's good news for us you're not you're not dnsing today you yep. made it you're making yep. it to the start line of the podcast and that's important because you can't get to the finish if you don't make it to the starting line right, um, right. a lot of stuff happened today today's stage 1b the first real day of racing for the dakar rally was 333 kilometers today 338 333 yep. it was a lot actually First real real stage and we had some big shakeups already yeah we had some really strong performances number one which is always good to call those out and then we had some really big losses today in the top rankings like uh one of the favorites is more than an hour behind now so we'll get to that very soon if you're not paying attention this will be a great way for you to catch up uh without clicking through a whole bunch of website <laughs> links which is <laughs> like a couple hours of your life (laughs) it's basically a couple hours of your life every day we're trying to save you here and maybe entertain you yeah Yeah. 4 30 in the morning and start clicking through web pages and stuff until death scrolling results and spreadsheets quinn um you predicted the winner i think for the first time ever in our history of predictions you called out daniel sanders to win today and he did starting you know he started 15th this morning but um so he had tracks to follow, but he avoided all the mistakes and really, really went fast today. Yeah, I mean Sanders, he's a he's a special boy. He's got some skills on a motorcycle, and he's, yeah. he's not afraid. No, he's not afraid. Second uh, win in a row this year uh, for him and Gas Gas. It's Gas Gas's first two wins ever. Um, so the year of Gas Gas and Daniel Sanders is quickly coming to fruition. For sure, it's pretty awesome for him. You know, he, he was able to get out yesterday, win the prologue choose his starting position so he started fifth today and then was able to ride through and avoided a lot of the snags that some of the guys the guys that were a little further up got into and was able to ride right through those areas where a lot of guys were doing circles and lost and and, uh, his little group of guys that were navigating together did a really good job and got got to the finish without without any too much drama yep didn't lose any time in fact he gained a little more time on second places pablo quintanilla on the monster energy honda team um daniel sitting three minutes ahead of him now um which is you know basically equal but notable because he gained more time on him today um but he gained time on everybody because he won so good for him quintanilla seemed to have a really strong day as well my prediction so he didn't win up to my prediction but he got second so he did really well it kind of looked like uh sanders and quintanilla were riding together a lot of the day yeah quintanilla was leading out looked like he was one spot in front of him started 14th this morning yep so quintanilla started just in front of sanders and sanders and him probably got hooked up through the day and rode together uh you know that that little group did a did a good job yeah almost Uh, really kind of to plan you know they wanted to start 15th 14th as far back as they could not lose time gain time follow tracks but they really avoided that pitfall we're going to talk about very soon at about kilometer 260 in the special test just crushed everybody following suit with that uh, matthias wachner from the red bull ktm factory racing team was third on the day 
Um, he started 11th. So again, following that strategy to be, you know, kind of outside the top 10 when you start, follow some tracks so you don't have to do as intense navigation and just keep your speed up and you're going to gain time all day. Um, still though, like navigation, even the beginning seemed pretty tricky today. Yeah. I, you know, I think the interesting thing is that we see a lot of guys that started pretty far back that didn't really make up a lot of time. I yeah. Mean, you look at, um, Skyler, he started, he started back in the 22nd, 23rd, and, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, he finished pretty respectable, uh, in ninth, in Skyler finished ninth. Yep. So just inside the top 10, but yep. you know, didn't no no big swing there. Yeah. Didn't uh, gobble time at, up and like right. make a big leap. But then, uh, you look at like Luciano Benavides, he started back with Skyler and he finished way back, uh, almost an hour back. Yeah. That's, this is like the top three makes sense. Um, and then from here it starts, there's a few, uh, guys that were riding really well, uh, but didn't make that much time, but they're not totally out of whack on what you would expect, but there's some placements starting to finishing placements, basically all the way down to the top 40 that really show that the navigation was tricky, that a lot of people got lost and confused out there and it just shook the standings up. The biggest surprise for me on the day is is fourth overall, Mason Klein. Absolutely. 20-year-old 20, 20 American. Yep. He started back in 35th place. And yep. It sounds like he just rode right through all the snags and stuck to his road book and was able to finish fourth, which is really incredible for his first stage ever at a Dakar. Yeah, pretty, pretty impressive. I mean, not pretty impressive. Incredibly impressive ride from Mason and uh, – the kids just sounds like he's got a great head on his shoulders. Um, we got a quote from him here that they recorded right after the stage. I'm going to play that right now. And hopefully it works through my computer. I had an awesome day today. Um, I don't feel so comfortable in the dunes. That's why in the beginning, I was really happy to see a lot of rocks. There was this crazy uphill, just straight boulders. And there was a line to the left and a line to the right. And I saw a bunch of people to the left. I went to the right. It was like super gnarly made up super good made a lot of passes and um yeah i was having a good day uh, everything up to the the fuel stop was amazing i definitely struggle in the dunes your first dakar beginning really really well apparently thank you yeah just need to learn how to ride in the dunes quinn he keeps talking about <laughs> not being able to ride in the dunes, but clearly he's riding in the dunes. Okay. I think he just doesn't feel as comfortable there as he does in the fast rocks. Yeah. I, I think he's doing, doing just fine in the dunes and yeah, you know, to, to finish fourth on his first stage ever. And yeah, shows that, you know, he's, he's got some serious potential and it's, it's really impressive. It definitely, uh, a shocker for a lot of people. Yeah. I think. I think he's shaking some people up. Um, you could tell there's some clues there about him riding just really smart. Like he knew there was a bunch of people stacked up on the left side of the hill climb. And he's like, I'm gonna take the right line because there's a line there and it worked out really well for him. Uh, I'm going to play this some more because there's some, a uh, little bit of insight into, uh, him navigating today, which again, sounds like a veteran to me. Here we go. Oh, I would never guess that in the world ever. That's insane actually. Um, but it's cool to hear. Thank you guys for letting me know. That's him talking about being in fourth what today. You've done finally. Yeah, for sure. Um, can't believe I'm here. I, I don't know. Kind of speechless. A lot of great champions have lost a lot of time today. Yeah. It's really a difficult stage. Yeah, for sure. There was some really tricky notes. A lot of notes back to back, a lot of intersections. And it's just slight turns, like left or right. 
and go left, 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 one right, left, but you make the right in the wrong turn, you go so far the wrong way. I noticed a lot of lines going the wrong way and um, I just made sure to stay on the road book and I was verifying all day and it helped me a lot to stay up there and make up a lot of time, I think. Quinn, that sounds like somebody who's been here before to me. Yeah, that's that's very impressive. And, you know, Mason, his, he spent a lot of time working on his navigation, uh, building road books, doing stuff like that. And I mean, here we have a 20-year-old a, a kid who's who's built probably, it's probably got a library of 100 or 150 road books that he's built himself. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, it's a whole kind of a whole new uh, evolution of the sport for sure, because clearly he's navigating better than a lot of the a lot of the guys that have been doing it for a long time. He certainly did today. Um, yep. <laughs> he, he, he gained time where everybody else, almost everybody else lost time in that section. Um, the impressive part about Mason. Yeah. He's young. That's, that's cool. But like he hasn't been racing rally for very long. I think 2020 was the first time he even saw a rally bike at the, at yep. the KTM adventure rider rally. Yep. And you know, he's a, he's a young guy who grew up um, racing the youth Heron Hound series yep. in Southern California. And he's, you know, doesn't have a, a massive list of accomplishments racing here in the U S you know, when, when Ricky went over to, to Dakar, you know, he was national Heron Hound champion, Baja mm -hmm. 1000 champion, all this stuff. And, yeah. and you know, so I, I wasn't really sure how he was going to do over there because he's, he hasn't done a ton of racing. He's not really, I would say seasoned racer. So it's going to mm -hmm. be uh, interesting, you know, to see how it plays out further, further along in the rally, but uh, really, really impressive so far. Yeah. Cool. Cool to hear from Mason from the finish line today. Um, we got some messages out to him to talk to him as soon as possible. Uh, so we're going to try to get some conversations with him from the ground, get some more insight into how his race is going, but man, sitting fourth overall for the day, but kind of more impressive is he's fifth overall in the rally right now. Yeah. After, after, you know, the first main day of racing, you know, he's in fifth spot. He never thought that was going to happen. Probably. I certainly didn't think it was going to happen. Yeah. You could tell by his interview, he was shocked. He was shocked that he was yeah. in fourth place. Just uh, couldn't believe he's thanking the guys that are, that are interviewing him because yeah. he, he had no idea. Yeah. Uh, he said something about, I think this is kind of cool for people to learn. He was verifying all day. So when, when he says he was verifying all day, what, what does he mean by that in a navigation sense or a roadbook sense? So basically when, you know, he started in, in 35th place, so he yep. had 35 bikes on the road in front of him, tracks to follow, and you could see that tracks going the wrong way, the right way. And so at every note in the roadbook, rather than following, just following the tracks on the ground, he was actually verifying that he's going the right way mm -hmm. to where a lot of guys, if they start back there, they're, they only really look for dangers on the road book and mostly just racing what they can see yeah so if you're verifying all day it takes a little bit longer but uh, in a stage when you make them when guys are making mistakes and losing an hour that's it, you might lose a minute or two here or there just from riding a little bit slower and verifying but mm -hmm. you're gonna avoid that big one that that a lot of the top guys kind of fell in yeah yeah we saw that happen today um following up mason in fifth place um Santolino, the first Sherco, uh, another manufacturer getting up there. I've been interesting to see. I've been interested to see how the Shercos are going to fare this year because they have a pretty good looking effort. Um, some pretty good guys. The bikes look really cool. Uh, so top five again today. We have Gas, Gas, Honda, KTM, another KTM with Mason on the Bass trucks, KTM, and then a Sherco. So a lot of different bikes in the top five, and then sixth place is a Yamaha. Really, that 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 uh, 
diversity of the manufacturers is still shown out there. Um, yeah, sixth place, Adrian Van Beveren had a really good navigating day today. He started 10th, kind of kind of gained some time. It's cool to see that. Um, you guys are probably wondering why I haven't mentioned Ricky Brabeck or Toby Price yet. Yeah, <laughs> or, because, Kevin Benavides, or Kevin Benavides. Or Kevin Benavides, the defending champion. Um, yeah. Really, right here at about sixth Andrew place. Short. Yeah, or Andrew Short. We run into um, the guys that did a good job today maintaining you know sort of starting and finishing in kind of the same position so really we have sam sunderland in eighth place he started ninth finished eighth today he did a very good job of minimizing damage today riding really well which we've seen from sam sunderland before we've seen him finish consistently in that top 10 day after day after day after day without losing tons of time and he's does that and he's in contention at the end of the rally yep for sure i think you know sam's kind of learned his lessons the hard way and he's now very consistent experienced rally racer so you know really one of the only guys that started inside the top 10 that finished inside the top 10 yeah yep really did then right behind him skyler um we thought skyler was going to make more time today because he started in 22nd we thought he was going to be able to you know uh, blow by some of those navigation trickies but uh it turned out that a lot of people got turned around out there he didn't fall into such a big hole as everybody else but he didn't he didn't climb as much as we thought. Um, he finished ninth today, so he's still in a really good spot overall. Yeah, it looks like, you know, when you look at the checkpoint times, Skyler was just kind of consistently riding in, yep. you know, top 15, roughly just steady. And, I mean, first stage of the rally, that's not a bad move. Wise. And, yeah, you're you're going to avoid having these big-time losses or big-time gains. So. Yeah, and it puts him in 10th overall sitting after today's stage. Uh, fairly unofficial results still. Yeah, I mean, you never know. They they incur penalties and things like that. Mm-hmm. So sometimes a little bit later on, so yeah. it can be uh, a little difficult to to fully understand. But I mean, the the race is is kind of a moving, evolving thing. So yeah. we don't stress out too much about small things like that. Yeah. Um, if we get just keep scrolling down here into the standings for the day, into the top twenty now. Um, defending champ Kevin Benavides twentieth on the day today started 12th so starting 12th was a pretty good position to start today should yeah. have been able to make up time should have been able to be you know top five but didn't work out for kevin today yeah we don't really know what happened with uh with kevin benavides he uh seems like you know he was pretty steady and then it looks like he fell into that into that trap around kilometer 260 and mm-hmm. lost a whole bunch of time yeah like 30 34 minutes back at the end of the stage yeah pretty rough day for kevin but it gets worse for other people John Bereda, 23rd today. He started sixth, so he was starting up higher. He had a little more challenge in front of him. But really, he was in sixth place all the way until like kilometer 200, and then he started dropping back, um, you know, losing quite a bit of time at 240, and then 260, he lost, you know, another 40 minutes. So he's almost yeah. 40 minutes down for the day. And this is sort of the theme that goes on for the rest of our top contenders. And Andrew Short, 26th today. Uh, Andrew Short started seventh today, I believe. Like kind of like a great spot to start, but it didn't work out because of that tricky 260K. Toby Price is right behind him in 27th. I mean, we're talking 42 minutes down, 44 minutes down for Price. And then yep. it, it just keeps getting worse for people. It'd be awesome if we could get Andrew on the phone. Yeah. Try, to, try we'll, to find out what happened. I kind of super curious about like what that what that spot was that, that tripped them all up. Yeah, we'll try to get him on the phone. We'll be texting in the background here. He's probably mad today. Yeah, I mean it's hard on on the days when guys lose big time. You never want to uh, <laughs> yeah remind them. Much. But Andrew's a pretty nice guy, so he yeah he 
He is. Somebody that we probably won't call as Ricky Brayback today. Uh, oh. Ricky, 39th today. He's, he's an hour out. He lost an hour today. He lost 56 yeah. minutes on the day today, to be official. Um, so a pretty catastrophic day for yeah. Brayback. That's a hard one to swallow. I mean, start stage one, and it, 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 we talked about it before the before the race with Ricky, and, yep. and he said exactly what he didn't want to do was have last year he had a forty minute deficit on the first stage. Mm-hmm. This year he's going in with a fifty six minute deficit. So man, that's a tough one to swallow on day one, and uh, it's still a long race, but uh, that's a lot of time. An hour's hard to find out there. Um, there are some big days coming up, but um, right behind Ricky, you know, the next top contender, I would call him, you know, Luciano Benavides on the Husqvarna factory team. He's also an hour plus down now in the overall standings. So both those guys started fourth and third respectively. They had the most challenge leading today, probably out of that top group. Um, but really that navigation stuff got people stuck out there and that's what this race is about, man. It's about making sure you know how to navigate through that crap or, Maybe you can tell us what was going through their mind. Because if you watch the tracking map, you can see those guys spinning out a little bit in between those waypoints and trying to find it. So is this a point where there's supposed to be a waypoint there? They know they're, they think they're on track and they just maybe got off on the wrong track or something. It didn't pop up on the, the GPS. Yeah. So it sounds like there's a lot of like a lot of small jump where there you mm-hmm. can take a right or a left. And it looks like there was quite a bit of rain before the stage. There's some wet sand, some yeah. washouts. Yeah. Maybe some of the tracks got covered up and they missed a turn, continued on for a while. And you get to a point in your road book where there's supposed to be a waypoint. The waypoint's not popping up on your on your GPS, so you have mm-hmm. no way to validate it. So at that point, you start going back and looking for where you went wrong, trying to figure it out. Some guys have different strategies. Some guys will just beeline across the desert and hope the waypoint pops up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what happens is the guys behind you start coming in and it turns into a big frenzy thing where everyone's frenzied up looking at looking for the the waypoint they're talking to each other they're trying to figure out where they went wrong and doing big circles in the desert uh, the waypoint has a basically it has a like 800 meter radius so you can if you go into that waypoint anywhere within that radius, it'll pop up on your GPS. So a lot of times guys will start doing big circles in the desert, just hoping that they hit that waypoint. Got but it. It's, you know, if you're off, if you're off by two kilometers, three kilometers, it's not going to show up. Kind of looks like that's what happened. And yeah. there must've been a tricky note in there. And a few of the guys got it right, rode right by while you know, Brayback and those other guys are out and lost. Yeah. I think you can, you can follow them on the tracker and you can see them you know, looking for this spot out there, their little arrows just keep circling around and it's literally 40, 50 minutes they're doing that for. And you, you know, you see Sanders and Quintanilla actually passed the guys that were leading the stage. So physically passed them. And yeah. if you starting 15th at, at three minute gaps, that's, that's a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. You get up and go right by those guys. So, uh, navigation trickiness, not the whole state. I think the whole stage was hard to navigate through. But really that last point just like was the dagger that did everybody in. Not the last point, but there's a waypoint in between, you know, they have certain checkpoints at 240K where they do times. So there's uh, six checkpoints where they do times during the day. And then in between those, there's waypoints that are just, you know, the, the riders just know about them. They need to hit them. And uh, there was one 260 that really screwed everybody up. Not everybody, screwed some people up, a lot of people. 
for sure and you know i think that's we're clearly a theme this year mm-hmm. uh, already right off the bat is the the trickiness of- yeah and these stages you know 333 kilometers of racing that's a long day to be to be racing you know and navigating it's not letting up at all i think the next day remember tomorrow first day of a marathon stage which means they race all day tomorrow go to the bivouac they're the only ones that can work on their bikes the, the riders themselves they can't have a mechanical assistance by their team. Um, and then the next day they get up and race on the same bike, same tire, you know, whatever zip ties they had to put on. That's it. Yeah. I mean, first, you know, tomorrow is basically first part of the marathon stage. We don't know. Last year they allowed the guys to bring their motorhomes to right. the to the marathon bivouac because of COVID and that people weren't yeah. supposed to be in close contact. Uh, but this year we'll they might make year. everybody bunk in a, you know, a room sleeping on the ground on cots right yeah i don't know if it's going to be a, a tent or a barrack or something like that yeah they give a little pad to sleep on so again we'll, uh, yeah we'll look forward to that but they got to race 338 kilometers to get there um yep. so if you're putting yourself in the racer's perspective daniel sanders is going to lead out tomorrow and he knows he's going to lose time because he probably isn't going to lead out and not lose time on a such a big day plus he's probably going to be riding a little conservative because he's going into a marathon stage is that safe to assume yeah, I, I would say so. You know, I mean, he's for sure going to try to tone it down on, or take it down a notch so that he can, you know, go into the stage without losing a bunch of time. Um, you know, it, it's kind of a given if you're leading out a stage, you're going to lose time. Right. And you have guys like Brayback and Beretta that are starting outside the top 20, even mm-hmm. outside the top 40 that are going to be coming from behind. And it, it it's safe to say that Sanders will probably lose 20 minutes tomorrow on on Brayback or Breda, but you know, he made an hour today so it, it's kind of that game you give a little but then you yeah you, you know, took you a lot a little to, yeah lose a little to gain a little you know mm-hmm. um and then on the other side of that perspective you mentioned if you're Ricky or John Bereda or even you know Toby Price you're you don't have a lot of time tomorrow to play it safe on a marathon stage you have to you have to make up something and try to get a strategically good starting position for the next day so you can make up more time that day on the contenders. That's hard to do on a marathon stage. It's hard to do in this navigation that this rally's throwing at people now. So are those guys just going to be hanging it out tomorrow and taking a lot of risks? You know, we, we talked about it in our pre-race interviews with, with Brayback and how you have to just accept that that time is gone. Yep, put, it, you, in, put it in the back of your mind. Hard, yeah, if you try too hard to to make that time up it something bad's going to happen so you just have to do it one go into it one day at a time and you know say hey okay we're going to we're going to do our best for for this stage see where we see where we end up mm, that's got to be a tough pill to swallow so early in the race that you're kind of behind the eight ball you know you're kind of behind you you got a lot of pressure like just to not overdo it cuz Ricky's yeah. a racer so is Toby like those guys don't go slow at things that's not what they do. For so sure. they're going to have to, they're going to race as hard as they're going to race, but to keep a cool head, like you said, you know, that's something that everybody talked about was like just and, keeping your head in the game and not getting mentally beat or right. beating and, yourself up mentally. I think they, they have it in the back of their mind that they're not going to get a new tire, that it's, that it is a marathon stage, but I still don't think that it affects the way these guys ride the motorcycle. I think they're still going to be going flat out. Yep. A little bit in the back of their head, they're going, okay, you know, don't crash this thing because no mechanic to fix it. I don't have any spare parts. Yeah. Uh, I got, I got to get through this thing pretty clean. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the marathon, the marathon stages are kind of a, a throwback to the 
to the days of when the race was in Africa. And yeah. basically, you know, any day could have been a marathon stage. You didn't know if your truck, your support truck was going to make it when the race was in Africa. So right. that, that was kind of the, the way that the race was is some days the support truck made it and they're only two hours behind you. Other days the truck didn't make it till the next morning or even two days later. So the ASO has tried to you know, bring that tradition of the Dakar being kind of uh, rough, adventure. rugged, adventurous, yeah. yeah, back in by making these planned forced marathon stages. But mm. thing is, is that the guys can plan for it. They already know it's coming. Yeah. So they, they can strategize a little bit around it. Well, they're going to need some help out there for sure um, to make up some of this time before the end of the rally's over. That's for sure. Uh, who else stood out to you today? You know, Petrucci, our MotoGP guy, he started 34th today and he finished 13th. Yeah. He rode really well. You know, obviously benefiting from, you know, um, some tracks in front of him the early part of the day, but he had to make some smart navigation to get through there. Yep. It's pretty cool yeah, to see. You know, that's another thing that, that uh, we talked a little bit about prior to the rally, but was that the the rally two guys um, right Petrucci is it's his first his first Dakar so you know mm -hmm. they put him in the uh rally two category which um is also Mason Klein and uh Bradley Cox are kind of the top top three guys in that class but, yeah um after the prologue yesterday they started those guys behind all the elite riders and basically that means that so bradley cox finished i think fifth so he was actually in the top 15 had the option to ride with the elite riders but it looks like the aso put them back behind all of the elite riders yeah so when the stage started this morning all elites went first regardless if they got beat by a rally two guy the day before gotcha and so this is a question that I have is whether they're going to allow the, the rally two guys to start where they finish the day before. Like, especially tomorrow, Mason's going to be starting fourth yeah. if, if, exactly. if he's in the proper position right. uh, based on time, which I think they should just mix them in. For sure they should. Yeah, because sure. Mason was the fourth fastest guy today. He should be yep. starting in the beginning, A, getting that experience to lead out, but B, hey, the clock doesn't lie. Yeah. He's got to be in the right spot. Um, what, what, why would they do it the other way? Why would they separate them just to eliminate confusion or what is the deal? I mean, I think it causes more confusion to it be does honest. to me, yeah. They do, but, uh, it, you know, I think it, it goes to this, they're, they're trying to make this like rally G class. Yeah. Like elites know, elite and riders, then like Moto know. G and Moto two. And so they're, yeah. they're trying to do something there, but, um, it, it's not really that kind of a race. So, no. you know, everyone's out in the desert together. And if what happens is if you put the rally two guys back to 30th place every day, they're just going to end up following tracks and they're never going to learn how to now and how to lead out. So yeah. It's going to almost in the end, slow their development, teach them, teach them bad habits. Yeah. Unless you're Mason Klein and you just don't have bad habits yet. <laughs> so far, it's going to be great to watch him. Uh, we got the word out to him. Hopefully we can chat with him soon. Um, hey, how do I you, how do you start if you're a guy like Mason Klein or anybody learning to do these road books? Yeah, that's so that's a good question. And that's something that I think's really elevated the game uh, in the last few years. And it's uh, what I always use and what pretty much every competitive rally rider uses a program called Rally Navigator. Right. U.S. based a, program. Yep. US Mike Shirley, right? Yep. And, uh, it's a web app. You, uh, you basically go on, log in, create roadbooks off of Google earth, really cool, easy to use software. 
I mean, I've, I've used it for years and years, building thousands and thousands of miles of kilometers or miles of road book. And, uh, you know, it's really changed the game. And, it, you know, you get a kid like Mason, who's probably started doing that when he was 17, 18 years old. And he's just yeah. constantly clicking around and making, making road books, and messing with uh, different ideas and the notations and learning the system. And, it really uh, kind of shows you, like, it's like a translation service. It's like learning a different language like the Rosetta Stone <laughs> software for, for learning Spanish. Like it shows sure. you in real time as you click around on the map how the roadbook will be built right next to you and the notes and the kilometers and, you know, the tulip drawings and you can put in special notes or pictures and all that kind of stuff in there. It gives you, you know, altitude profile right next to it. I mean, this is what people yeah. are looking at while they're racing. And, you know, it, it also teaches you a different way of looking at the roadbook mm -hmm. because generally when these, when these roadbooks are built, they're built from an aerial view. So yep. it's a guy looking at it from Google Earth. And mm -hmm. if you see a... Uh, Sand wash or a road. Yeah, just a junction. Say it's a, just a straight junction, like a Y junction. Mm -hmm. And the way it looks on the ground may be different from the way it looks in the air. Yep. So if you're looking at it from an overhead view... Um, you have to kind of translate that to what it looks like on the ground. When you're on the bike, you have to like process exactly. that. <laughs> and if you've never built a roadbook and you don't understand, like if you, you build a roadbook and you look at it from Google Earth and then you go out and ride it, you're going to see that it looks different when standing on the ground. Got but it. It gives you that perspective of, of the creator. And if you get into a place where you're in trouble or you don't understand the note, you can kind of put your, your mind back and go, okay, what's this look like from the overhead view? Right. If I was so, making okay, this road book, what would I be looking at and which would make the most sense? If there's one of those questions where you're like, it could be any one of these three left-hand turns right here. But if I was the navigation guy building the road book, what would I see? And I would go that way. Yeah, exactly. You go, okay, just experience looks, too. Like yeah. It's just giving yep. you that experience. The more you see, the better it gets. So, hey, if you're interested... Check out rallynavigator.com. It's really cool. Um, Mike reached out to us yesterday, and I think he's going to come on board as a sponsor of our show too. But it, even if he's not, check out uh, Rally Navigator because it, it shows you exactly what it's like to build a roadbook and what it's like to look at one, which yep. is not something you can really explain. You just have sure. to kind of check it out <laughs> and experience it. Sure. And, you know, it, it's a cool program too. I use it just for pure rides, really kind of these programs. Draw over, 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 over like virgin terrain. Like you're just going to ride across the desert to Vegas. You're going to click on some roads, dirt roads, click, 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 click. And it's just easy. Yep. Yeah. You can go, you can go off track. You can go, it has a click or snap to road function where yep. if they're, if the road's on Google maps, you just click you know, control shift and it lays a GPS track down right on top of the existing roads. Yeah. Uh, makes it really easy to, to plan dual sport rides and adventure rides and stuff like that. Plus you well. can pump out a road book and tease your friends and say, go yep. do this road book and get them lost and laugh at them. That's just what you do. Laughing at me. All right. So tomorrow's stage, here's a preview, 338 kilometers and sand dunes, allegedly. Yep. And then that's day one of that marathon stage. You're going to go to the second day of the marathon stage and you think, hey, maybe it'll be kind of short. Maybe we'll have a break. Nope. No. It's another big day. 360 some kilometers on that day. So it's not getting any better out there, people. For sure. The guys rode, they rode 514 kilometers total today. Tomorrow is an, 338. 338 is special. And yep. They're God. almost like all these days stacking up to each other. They're just, they're almost mirror images. It's 250K of liaison, 300 kilometers is special, like every day. Yeah. 
I, this whole first week, I can't even, I can't even imagine being there on the ground and having to like plan your, plan your week out. It's, it's hard to look ahead. You can't even think about looking at the next, at the following with such a massive rally. Yeah, it is day by day. Like everybody talked about in our interviews. Um, if you haven't listened to those interviews, catch up. There's, you know, five legendary racers and racing mentality interviews in the bank for this year's season. Um, do you want to make a prediction for tomorrow? Oh man, this is going to be a tough one. That is a tough one. This is there's so many variables out there. Yeah, and and there's guys that are motivated to make up time. Yep. Do you think it's going to be somebody inside the top ten that wins, or is it going to be one of these guys that is really took a beating today outside the top twenty? I think for for sure, no question, it's going to be one of these guys that lost a ton of time today because they're going to be super motivated and want to come back. Yep. Just come out. Um, so yeah. If I was a anybody. if I was a betting man and I had money on it, yeah, I would have to look based on uh, past experience and just kind of knowing uh, knowing these guys a little bit. I would have to say John Beretta, guy who has more stage wins than anybody in the rally. Yeah, um, he's come out swinging tomorrow, and he's going to pull a Beretta and pull a Bam Bam. Yeah, he is. They call him and. Uh, come out swinging and win the stage tomorrow that'd be my guess yeah i think that's a pretty good guess like i could guess kevin benavides who's going to start two three spots in front of him or ricky quite a few spots behind or toby <laughs> it's not yeah. it any could be these guys. any of those guys but Bereda has done this numerous times where he's just put the hammer down and won these stages i mean literally more than anybody that's his special career. Yeah, he's starting, win stages. Starting in 20th and winning stages. Stage. Yep. Uh, that could come in really handy, honestly, for Ricky in in a way, because, you know, Ricky's, ooh, I don't, he's almost too far away. He's going to start 39th and Breda's 23rd. Yeah, they won't see each other. They won't see no. each other. They're going to be all riding it. But, hmm. you know, the, the other thing that Ricky, once he gets by a few of the guys in front of him, yeah. he's probably going to have some lean air. Yeah. Not, not that it'll be dusty, but. When, when there's other riders and you're having to pass guys and things like that, sometimes it makes it a little more difficult because you, you have a hard time getting in your rhythm with the navigation. If there's slow guys right in front of you, you're you're focused on passing that guy rather than looking at your road book and, mm -hmm. and kind of throw your rhythm off. So if he gets into a little spot where there's maybe no one in front of him, uh, maybe a little bit easier. Yeah, it's going to be an awesome day tomorrow. Um, big shakeup today. Super, very Dakar-like, just to knock everybody's plans out of array right away and you know we just talked about it big time losses it's not good for not good for those guys out there but um man i'm excited to see what happens tomorrow and then the next day because that marathon stage is such a wild card Oof! i said i wanted drama yesterday look what happened today you got it dude there's got it. the cards are scattered all over the table I, could, I, know, I couldn't have predicted this one for sure no me neither i thought i thought those guys are going to all be stacked in the top 10 still good, good job on the road books guys whoever's building the road book are keeping it interesting yep I like it yep now you just got to fool that mason klein kid i think he's got your road book stuff figured out yeah let's hope they let mason start up up front let's hope they let him start in the fourth yeah maybe he'll teach those guys a thing or two <laughs> all right um big shout out to climb for being title sponsor of this year's dakar rally daily uh series we're uh forever grateful for them and their help uh, they keep us comfortable out there riding our motorcycles. Plus, uh, their stuff's pretty cool looking, so you can wear it and be better looking maybe. Um, hopefully, you guys learned some insight to the Rally Navigator software. Check it out. It's very cool. 
Uh, we got another list of people to thank. Moto Minded, of course, which is a big supporter of Mason's. Um, uh, Mason actually raced and has used that rally moto kit that I was talking about yesterday. Used that on his practice bikes. He's raced around with it from Moto Minded. Uh, our friends at Double Take Mirror. Love those mirrors. You just put them on your dual sport or your adventure motorcycle right away. Also, Giant Loop because they make super awesome stuff for doing Giant Loops. That's why I like it. That's right. We love we love Giant Loop. Man, I've been using that stuff for, for years and kind of... Uh, some of my early adventure rides down in Baja where, uh, you know, we just wanted to get our, our tools and our gear off the yeah. back. We started using the, uh, the Mojave saddlebags 15 years ago, and it was some of the best times of my life for sure, riding, <laughs> riding with my buddy Kendall down in Baja. Yep, Kendall, so, Kendall Norman. Bags. Can you imagine riding in Baja with Quinn Cody and Kendall Norman on dirt bikes? You can't, you know what, you can imagine it because you can Google and look up on Red Bull TV, uh, what was that, Chasing Summer? yeah. Chasing Summer documentary series about two dirt bags riding, you know, 450s all the way to the end of the world in Mexico. Yeah, it was good stuff. I mean, it's it's 10 years ago now, and uh, 11 years ago now, I guess. Yeah. And uh, yeah, but we had a we had a great time riding in Baja, and you know, we had our giant loop bags loaded up with uh, you know board shorts and flip flops, and we'd head to head to Cabo. Cool. Well, uh, that's our goal after. Dakar's done. Quinn and I are going to Mexico, so don't tell our wives. <laughs> uh, everybody stay tuned for tomorrow's show. Uh, we're going to get Mason on the phone, I hope. Maybe Andrew Short. Maybe Johnny Campbell and Kendall Norman from the you know Motorhome Rally World Championships. And get some updates from inside the race as they've had a few days to get under their belt and get a little comfortable. Everybody's ignoring us so far, but that's understandable. First day, we're going to let these guys settle in and uh, try to get them on, get them in the phone and start harassing them. Yep, that's our job. We're here for it. All right, thanks, Quinn, for calling in. Hope you feel better. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're I'm already... gonna be I'm going to be here trying to kick this COVID's ass and, you know. <laughs> you I'm can do it. all kinds of vitamins and whatever whatever I can get my hands on. So, yeah, well. Hopefully, I'll be back in the office here shortly. All right. Well, we're looking forward to it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, and we'll talk to you soon. Later, everybody.